Y'all, I think the social media uh, algorithms are broken. It's now telling me I, I would be interested in something from uh, Entertainment Tonight Canada. Good evening. Good afternoon. This is Joe Cunningham here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL, the Joe Cunningham Show. Glad to be with y'all today. Uh, it's, uh, as, as I wanted to say breaking, this is actually about four hours now. The Biden administration must realize the polling sucks. Uh, in a uh, in, in their uh, COVID-19 response briefing, they are now openly talking about a point when this is no longer a crisis. To say that, or the idea that COVID-19 is not a crisis shouldn't surprise any of us. We, we've known for a while now that this is actually endemic at this point. It is going to, there's going to be a COVID season. Just like there's a flu season, just like there's a cold season, there's going to be a COVID season. The problem is, or the surprise, rather, is that the Biden administration is coming out and saying it because the Biden administration is also still pushing masking. They're also still heavily pushing uh, the idea of vaccines to the point where they really, really want a mandate, but they're not coming out and saying that. The polling for Democrats has to be terrible. You can also tell that it's terrible because David Axelrod, uh, former uh, Obama guy, uh, is now out there saying, well, of course, parents should be involved in education. Politicians should not be, but parents should absolutely be involved in the schools their children attend. The polling for Democrats continues to be bad. If it's bad for if it's bad in the public polling. Imagine what the private poll and the stuff they're not telling you about is on virtually every issue in the public polling. The Democrats are losing. Joe Biden is losing. He is a drag on the rest of his party, but the rest of his party is not helping. They have routinely taken measures and made public statements and taken positions that have alienated a lot of people. Let's break away from COVID for a second. Consider the education stuff. Consider that school boards are treating parents like terrorists. The fact that the Department of Justice actually received a letter from National Teachers Union saying, hey, we need to be investigating these people like terrorists. These parents who want to go to these school board meetings. And what are these parents doing? They're questioning things. They're asking questions. They're getting more involved because they don't like what is happening in the schools? See, here's the problem. COVID-19, the school shutdowns and everything, it opened parents' eyes to a lot of what some of these really progressive school districts are actually throwing at their kids. And parents weren't happy about it. And then the critical race theory stuff comes up and parents are furious about it. Not just white parents. Don't make it a race thing because you had very viral movements of black parents getting up and speaking. They don't want their children to be divided by race, which is what these critical race theorists are doing. And it's becoming a huge drag on the Democrats. And they are going to have a very, very bad 2022. It's already terrible, but it's getting worse day by day. Again, roughly six in 10 Americans disapprove of Joe Biden's handling of just about every issue. We're in the mid to high 50 percentile range of disapproval. This is, without a doubt, going to be an unmitigated disaster for the Democrats come 2022 unless something drastic 
happens, something changes dramatically, which I don't think it will. There are no signs out there that anything is going to get any better for the Democrats. And who's to, uh, who can blame the voters? Consider education. Consider the COVID-19 response and the mixed messaging there. Consider uh, the, the Afghanistan withdrawal, which actually, when you look at the polling, the Afghanistan withdrawal is when Biden's, dis, uh, Biden's approval started dropping and, why, and when his disapproval started rising. Everything that's happened from that moment on has just gotten progressively worse. And I use progressively on purpose because it's those policies that are driving a lot of the Democrats' agenda, and that's what's driving a lot of voters out. It's what's keeping them from supporting the Democrats. You see not just Republicans, not just conservatives, not just the far right, not just center right, but center, center left voters are now looking away from Biden. And you have Hispanic voters that are turning away from the Democrats. And you even have some black voters that are turning away from the Democrats. Because the Democratic Party is pushing all sorts of things that kind of freak these people out. And there's no going back. Once your loudest voices in your party, once the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortezes, once the Ilhan Omars, once, the, once all of them start shouting the defund the police full-on socialism, uh, free college, all of this stuff. They, they want to throw all of these policies out there. The moment you, you can't unring that bell and the voters are picking up on it and they, are, they don't like where the Democratic Party is heading. The Democratic Party ran to win the 2020 elections as somebody who's going to bring things back in and be more moderate and, and bring both sides together. And they've gone full-on left since then. 232-1542 if you want to take part in the conversation. When we come back, a little bit of a history lesson. Do you know why the Han Dynasty in China fell? There are some lessons that we need to learn for today. When we come back here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. If you want to join in the conversation, 232-1542. You can also uh, find me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. And you can catch any part of the show you missed by going to your favorite podcasting platform, be it Apple, Spotify, whatever, and finding the Joe Cunningham Radio Show there. Do you know how one of the most famous dynasties of China fell? The Han Dynasty is probably one of the most well-known throughout history and, and definitely one of the one of the most influential aspects of the ancient world. It's considered the foundation of China as we know it today to the point where the Chinese called themselves Han Chinese. They are descended from that empire directly. It basically established China as we know it. It existed for about 400 years and at its height it was a center of progress and advancement in the ancient world. So it was so prolific, actually, that the collapse of this empire really spanned about 30 years. Uh, from about 189 to 220, historically, is when we call, what we call the collapse of the Han Dynasty. But it's actually a little bit longer. It actually started a little bit earlier. It started, it, it, according to the history books, it started in 189 when Emperor Ling died without naming an heir. Not long before that, though, uh, I'm sorry, for long before that, the emperors began growing their harems. They gave in to their carnal desires. And they needed their women protected from outside interlopers 
and from each other. There are lots of great stories about the the women, the the wives and the concubines of Chinese emperors and the, the behind-the-scene politics that they were heavily involved with. But you couldn't just establish regular bodyguards because what if those male bodyguards were also interlopers? So eunuchs, castrated males, were established as the protectors of the concubines. As time went on, the eunuchs learned a lot about politics behind the scenes. They, they learned the gossip of the day, and they were able to utilize that to gain a lot more trust from the concubines, the wives, and the emperors themselves, as well as the other bureaucrats of the Han Dynasty. They had been given so much trust that they started receiving more and more power and even requested from the emperor seats of power. It came to the point where the eunuchs were essentially a bureaucracy unto themselves. They were running the government, giving prime political positions to friends, family, allies, etc. It was not long before the bureaucracies of the Han became totally corrupt, demanding bribes, recognition, reverence from the locals. It infuriated the people of China. To the point where in 184 AD, there was a massive empire-wide rebellion, the Yellow Turban Rebellion, led by a couple of Taoist mystics who convinced a lot of the farmers throughout China that the Han was over, that they were corrupt, they weren't listening to the people, and it was time to rise up. And so this yellow turban movement, for a year, rebelled against the Han. There were lots of rebellions during this time. The yellow turban rebellion was just the most famous. You also had a few others that lasted a little bit longer, but were much smaller. This one was like the biggest warning sign that something was wrong with the Han dynasty. A lot of warlords stepped up to fight the Yellow Turbans. Those warlords saw the eunuchs as responsible for the rebellions and the weakness of the Han. Eventually, the eunuchs were wiped out. Two warlords, uh, Yuan Shao and, and, and uh, Dong Zhuo, actually rushed in and, and slaughtered about 2,000 eunuchs. Eventually... Decades of conflict between all the warlords resulted in the Han Dynasty officially being overthrown, and there were three kingdoms eventually united under a kingdom known as the Jin Dynasty. In the United States today, you have a heavily politicized CDC that insists everyone should continue to mask up, despite the fact that there's no real data showing that the masking is doing anything. School boards are fighting parents at every turn. They're insisting that parents have no right to get involved with how education is run. The Biden administration has failed on just about every issue. Like I said, majority of Americans now disapproving of Biden's handling of just about everything. The criminal justice system has had several high-profile unjust killings of black men. And in Louisiana, we've been talking a lot about a cover-up of one such thing that leads to the highest levels of command and our state government. All of this and so much more continues to happen, continues to make headlines. We have a media that is now acting as state-run media to attack anybody against the current regime. And when it's the other party in charge, they routinely attack it. You can point out several inconsistencies in their reporting from one side to the other, and they don't care. They believe that they are above their audience. The government, these bureaucracies, believe that they are above the people that they govern. As a result, 
the people of the United States, by and large, are losing more and more faith in the government and in its institutions. Like the Han, one of the biggest drivers of civil unrest is a lack of faith and trust in the system. There's no reason to believe that simply voting for somebody else is going to change things. More often than not, when people go to Washington, D.C., they become entrenched in the system. They become part of the swamp itself. Rarely does anything truly get done. Some good things happened while Donald Trump was in office, but not nearly enough. Nothing overall changes. Bureaucracies have become more entrenched and untouchable. Political favors are exchanged and cashed in. When you look at the history of the founding of the United States, it's a story of compromises that give the power of government first and foremost to the people, but over time that power has been taken away. Legislative power was given to bureaucratic institutions that are unaccountable to the legislative branch and uncontrollable by the executive branch. The executive now wields more power than it should, is completely unchecked by the legislative, and can only be checked by the judicial, and even then they still disregard those judicial orders. The system is out of balance. The Han Dynasty collapsed because it didn't have the trust of its people, first and foremost. Yes, eunuchs were involved. A cynical person could probably make a similar argument now. But the people of China rebelled against a corrupt, unbalanced government. It's funny. The Han Dynasty was originally founded on the Taoist ideals that the people in charge should be scholars but be part of their communities. You would need to be trained in governance, trained in philosophy, trained in, in all sorts of things. And then you would be eligible to serve in, to serve in a civic position. Now, you can't leave it to academics now. A lot of academics are so far up in their ivory towers, they, they actually live in what looks like the world that the Jetsons live in, while the rest of us are below the clouds. But the scholars of the Han Chinese lived and were part of their communities. The people who held civic positions were part of their communities. That's how the Han was founded. That's not the case now. It wasn't the case toward the end of the Han when those seats of power were given not to scholars but to corrupt politicians, people who demanded bribes and reverence, lacked respect for the people, thought that the people served them and not vice versa. You see it today. The government believes itself unaccountable to the people that put them in power. And why should they believe that they are going to be held to account? Over the last several years, we've seen that government bureaucracies run away from accountability. 232-1542, we're going to come back in just a minute. Let's talk about a tale of two school boards when we come back here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPL. If you want to join in the conversation, 232-1542. Uh, history lesson, the last segment, a literary reference in this segment, a tale of two school boards. In San Francisco, there was a bloodbath. Three highly progressive school board members were recalled. And it wasn't just a recall. It was brutal. 
San Francisco, not a noted hotbed of conservative activity, had three super progressive school board members recalled. Allison Collins, Gabriela Lopez, and Fagua Moliga. All recalled with over 70% of the vote in ultra-progressive San Francisco. Now, why were they recalled? A few reasons. One, they were going the super, they were going the super woke route. And they were focusing on really ridiculous things. And they weren't focusing on the key things. But while this is going on, they're talking about all these things, you know, taking Abraham Lincoln's name out of something to throw some uh, progressive uh, person in there to rename a bridge or whatever. All this stuff. At the same time, kids are out of school. Schools are shut down because the the, the school boards, the school systems, the government of California... We're all listening to the teachers' unions and saying, we need to shut schools down. We can't open schools. This is unsafe for our teachers. And the progressives listened. So while they're going on on these super woke tangents and going after all these things that are irrelevant to the actual process of educating the kids, parents were getting fed up because their kids were at home. And again, they could see what was being taught to their kids because the kids had to access everything online. That's to the kids who were. Who, who had access. A lot of kids didn't have access. They struggled in many places, not just in California, but all over, getting the technology to kids to be able to access the stuff they had. Remember, sending kids home and saying you do work from home doesn't work in low-income areas where kids may not have access to a computer or to internet. But that didn't matter because this, you know, we, we had to protect the teachers. Remember what the job of education is. It's not about teaching. It's about the, the, those who are being taught. The school board members repeatedly followed woke policies rather than listening to the taxpayers who put them in office. There's a theme to, to, to today's show. Can you find it? The result was that the parents of that school district decided something had to change. They needed to fire some warning shots and let future politicians know to start listening or else. And y'all, this was felt nationwide. This was a story across the nation. In super progressive San Francisco, three super progressive school board members were recalled from office. It is very difficult to recall politicians anywhere, but especially in California. What isn't trending nationally, though, is what happened here. Last night, in a 7-2 bipartisan vote, Our school board, full disclosure, I'm an employee of our school district, our school board decided to eliminate virtually all COVID-19 restrictions and leave it up to local administrators how to deal with COVID-19 response. The reason for the policy change was really simple. Too many kids were getting quarantined due to close contact with classmates. Among these quarantines, few, if any, kids were actually getting infected despite being in close contact with kids who were sick in their classes. A trend that we followed since the beginning, including with super contagious Omicron. Kids were sent home for several days, never showed any symptoms, never tested positive, but they had to, under current, under then current policies, stay home. With the Omicron wave, it was mind-boggling. As much of a bloodbath as a recall as the recall election was, it was as much of a bloodbath on our absences here in the parish. A lot of kids were getting sent home due to close contact. A lot of teachers who were in close contact with students got sent home and never showed symptoms. 
from the start of this virus, the data has been pretty clear. There have been no mass spreader events in schools. Very rarely do you find student-to-student or student-to-teacher infections of COVID-19 in schools, even with Omicron. The whole point of the mitigation efforts, the whole point of the plan, which was a very solid plan when it was first drafted, was to keep kids in schools. But with Omicron, kids were not being kept in schools. They were getting sent home, sometimes getting sent home for a few days, coming back to school and getting in close contact and getting sent home again. It was crazy how many days students were missing. It was crazy how many teachers had to miss. The mitigation efforts ended up having the opposite effect. Students were out of school far too much. Politically, San Francisco is pretty progressive. Politically, Lafayette is pretty conservative. However, this isn't as partisan an issue as you think. This is a matter of listening to students and to voters. In Lafayette, a a bipartisan group of school board members saw that kids were missing too much school and heard from a lot of parents who were upset at how the plan was affecting their children. In San Francisco, well, here's a quote from 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 an online progressive, Lee Fang. You may not know who Lee Fang is, but Lee Fang is a noted progressive who himself is fairly woke. No one watches Fox News here. There's no real right-wing influence. The leaders of the recall are non-white immigrants. The media will lie nonstop about this, but the fact that an overwhelming majority of Democrats recalled San Francisco's ultra-woke school board speaks volumes. That's from a progressive in San Francisco explaining what happened. A lot of politicians in power particularly where education is concerned, really and truly feel that they know better than the voters and the parents whose kids attend the public school system what should actually be happening in schools, what districts should be focusing on. Regardless of whether parents should be as involved as some of them want to be or not, you should be listening to those parents because they're the ones who give the power to you as elected officials. Your job is to represent them, not lord over them. Too many politicians around the country are forgetting that. The fundamental mistake of progressive politicians right now is to think that they know better and that parents have no business being involved with the school system. Look at what happened in Virginia. Look at how big an impact public education and the issue of these school board meetings were to the voters of Virginia. It's also now very clearly showing up in polling. I mentioned this in the first segment. Multiple Democratic governors rolling back mask mandates. David Axelrod, an advisor to Barack Obama, somebody who I mentioned yesterday, wrote an op-ed telling Joe Biden to stop lying about how rosy things are, is out there right now saying parents should absolutely be involved in the schools their kids attend. Politicians absolutely should not. Progressive politicians who refuse to listen to their voters and insist on culture war politics and overly restrictive COVID mitigation efforts are a big part of the reason why the polling is bad for Democrats. I've said it before, I will continue saying it. This year is going to be an absolute wipeout of Democrats across the board. Two school systems. In San Francisco, they didn't listen to what parents were saying, what parents cared about, what parents needed. The parents are the voters. The 
parents are the taxpayers. They're the ones who give power to the school board. And as a result, the parents, through a revolt, and kicked three super progressive school board members out. Here, you had a school board that looked at the data on COVID-19 and listened to the parents, listened to the voters, and made the right call. Voter backlash is going to continue to happen across the country with Democrats acting the way they've acted this entire time, thinking that they had some sort of mandate to be super woke, super progressive, and force a lot of culture war stuff. They will call Republicans and conservatives culture warriors, but it is consistently the progressives who are pushing the cultural change, who are at war with culture in America. 232-1542, we're going to go ahead and take another break. And when we come back, things are continuing to get worse at CNN with some new allegations about Chris Cuomo being thrown out there. All that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 965 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPL. I can tell you right now that one of the things kind of being talked about on the Internet, one of the things people are looking at, and I'm telling you this because I'm looking at analytics analytics on this right now at redstate.com. It is exploding on Facebook, this story. The Chris Cuomo CNN saga is taking what appears to be a pretty dark turn. From the New York Times, we know that the misconduct, the, the vague term misconduct that was thrown out by CNN about Chris Cuomo apparently features sexual assault. Now, at Red State, this was written uh, by Sister Tolja at, uh, at redstate.com, where you can find a lot of great conservative commentary, as well as my own. Uh, but this is from ST, and she writes... The type of misconduct was not specified at the time, which made it harder to gauge how serious the claim was. But via fresh reporting from the New York Times, we now know that it was allegedly far more than just misconduct. It involved what his accuser says was a sexual assault. Here's what the New York Times is reporting. According to the woman, she was working as a temporary staffer on ABC News in 2011. Remember, Cuomo came from ABC News and was hired by by Jeff Zucker to CNN and was hoping for a permanent role. Cuomo invited her to his office for lunch. She says she arrived but, but found there was no food. He then allegedly started badgering her for sex, and when she refused him, she says she was sexually assaulted. No other details about the alleged assault have been made public. The woman said she then sent him friendly emails to try to smooth things over. When the Me Too movement started to gain momentum, she said she heard from Cuomo, by this time CNN star host. She said, or he said... He wanted to run a segment on the firm where she worked. She said that she interpreted that as a veiled threat to not come forward with her own Me Too claim. A spokesman for Cuomo denied the allegations outlined in that letter. So again, first of all, this sounds like a family trait. Somebody who has a lot of star power and is, you know, has any sort of power whatsoever in the Cuomo family seems to be really in favor of groping and going after women and soliciting sex from them. Because that's what took Andrew Cuomo down. We talk about the nursing home stuff. That should have brought Andrew Cuomo down. But it was a Me Too-style effort of women coming forward that took Andrew Cuomo down and forced him to resign. He's already talking about making a political comeback, by the way. He thinks he was treated unfairly. Chris his little brother, his baby brother, who committed so many journalistic 
ethical violations at CNN that CNN looked the other way on and actually condoned. Reportedly was already uh, accused by someone else of badgering. Um, he, he actually, uh, an ABC producer, another ABC producer, had previously accused Cuomo of uh, s- sexual harassment and to the point where he actually sent an apology email to her. CNN continues to have problems. These stories keep coming out. The, the woman that was the, uh, the girlfriend of Jeff Zucker has been let go by CNN. She's fired back a letter saying that this was misogyny and all that. CNN continues to burn. It continues a very slow burn. Its credibility is all but shot. They've repeatedly made fools of themselves. And not everybody at CNN is a terrible reporter. As much as he gets a lot of uh, pushback from conservatives, including me, I like Jake Tapper because he's willing to ask questions of both sides. Not always as tough against Democrats as he is against Republicans, but he still asks them tough questions. And he does push back from time to time, especially where coverage of the military is concerned. Wolf Blitzer, clearly of the left, but also will ask tough questions. Several folks over there will ask tough questions. They're constantly overshadowed by the Chris Cuomo's and Don Lemon's and Jim Acosta's of the world. CNN, behind the scenes, is having a meltdown. And hopefully the new management that's coming in will be able to do something about it. I think it's Discovery that's coming in, and there's a merger there. And hopefully they will be able to do something about it. It's unclear how much they can do because a lot of this is already entrenched. Again, remember what I said a couple segments ago. It's not just the government that lords over people. It's not just the government that believes itself above reproach, that believes that the lay people don't have the right to question it. The media is very entrenched. Now, some people will push back and say, well, Joe, you're on the radio. You're part of the media, aren't you? I'm in the media, but I'm not of it. We talk about the media. We talk about those bubbles on the East and West Coast. We talk about these big national press outlets that have constantly favored one side over another. I'm willing to call out both sides. They are not. By and large, they are not. Consider, I told you yesterday, that the CBC got a hold of the hacked records from that donation server of the people who were donating to the trucker convoys in Canada. And that was a major journalism violation. You were using stolen personal financial information to go after and intimidate donors. Well, guess who's doing it now? The Washington Post. The Washington Post has a reporter out there who is going around and asking people who donated, people whose names appear on those leaked documents, to go and... Uh, to, to tell them, why would you do such a thing? The reporter is Aaron Davis of, of the uh, Washington Post. He's an investigative reporter. His most recent story dropped yesterday. Which U.S. community sent money to support the Canadian trucker protests? 
there's a reason that they're reporting like this. They want this challenge to government power stopped. They see this as a right-wing thing, and it's not. These are people concerned with freedom. These are people concerned with the government following voter wishes. And the media and the government work hand-in-hand sometimes to make sure that that is not possible. They want to consolidate government power. They want to consolidate their superiority over the average American. And that is not how things should be run. Thank you guys very much for listening today here on the Joe Cunningham Show. Remember, you can find me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Catch the episodes anytime you want on demand on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcast. Tune in tomorrow. We'll talk to you guys again in 23 hours.